Good morning. Good morning, River Valley. Good morning, church. My name is Rebecca, for those of you that I have not met yet. And I, yeah, I love my church. I love being here. All right. Well, you know, I was, uh, because I was with the ladies last weekend, I wanted to see all that was going on. So I did get to listen to Pastor Hershey. And uh, it was funny, the whole time I was thinking of calling him Dr. Hershey. So I was wondering if I should tell him that. I don't know. (laughs) But thinking about what God's doing in our lives and allowing him to have that work, it's amazing how, at least for myself, how, how quickly I can be like, yes, Lord, please have your way, do your thing. And so that really ministered to me. You know, he spoke about humbling ourselves. And you know what? I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it out of First Peter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. And that that first part is, it's not always easy to do, but it's for a, a beautiful reason and a beautiful purpose. And I, I love, he touched about th- something that really struck a chord in me because I love sports. He's like, doing this, right? Doing church, doing life together. It, it's not a single sport type of thing. So even in the act of humbling ourselves, right? We get to have encouragement from one another uh, in that process. And so thinking about last week with this, the ladies that I was with, that was kind of one of those moments where you're encouraging each other and reminding each other hey you can do it right you can do it and it's right God has beautiful things in store and so that's why that process needs to happen so it's awesome well okay let's all stand we're gonna pray together and then we're gonna worship our Lord Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come here together today. Together, Father. Together we lift up your name. Together we worship you, Father. Together we magnify. And Father, I thank you for you having your work and showing us how to do it, Father. How to be in that place of surrender unto you. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading and guiding us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is the name above every name, and we give you glory today for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Remind us of that. Holy Spirit, you said you would lead us into all truth, reminding us of all things. Remind us that there is no other name 
above the name of Jesus. There is no other name. Not, everything that has a name must bow its knee. Every, every disease that has a name, and even the ones that don't have a name yet, every financial system that has a name must bow. Every political system must bow. Every world system must bow. Every church system must bow. Everything that has a name must bow to the name of Jesus. And we exalt you today, Lord. There is none higher, none better, none more powerful. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. want to introduce myself. I'm John Neitzel. <laughs> guest minister. Oh, that's right. I'm back. That's right. I'm back. I approve of this message. Amen. Yes. So good to have uh, Sean Hershey here last week. He, he is a, a wonderful brother, wonderful minister. It's good to have he and his wife Kirsten here and I want to thank them internet, internetically. Where's, where's, where's Greg? Where's Pastor Greg? I, I made up another one. Put that in the book. Internetically. But it's good to be back. Uh, we're good to be back in the saddle and moving forward. All right. Philippians. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians. It's a letter to the Philippians. Paul wrote it. Much good stuff in Philippians. We're going to start with chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, we just did that. We just rejoiced. We, there was a lot of rejoicing songs sung this morning, a lot of exaltation songs, things declaring the, the greatness, the goodness, the, the power of God, but rejoicing in Him. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, know, be made known to God. This last week I had a, a, an interesting conversation. Can't give you all the details of it. Can't tell you who it was. It's one of those things, one of those pastoral things. But... I'm sure the person wouldn't mind if I shared one of the, the, the one of the points, uh, one of the thoughts that came up during that discussion. Um, this person works in a very stressful position. Very, uh, they work in a place where there's just a lot of uh, angst, a lot of anger, a lot of contention, and they he works. With, well, that, that narrowed it down to half the population of the world. All right. I'll try to keep it, keep being ambiguous here. But works in a position where there's, there's lots of conflict, lots of pressure, lots of, lots of opportunity for stress. And he asked me this question. He says, how do you know when you're well? How do you know when you're well? Because in this world, there's pressure, isn't there? In this world, there's stress. In this world, this world is a mess and we're thrown into the middle of it. 
And it wasn't God's plan for us to walk around in a, in a spin, in a, in a tizzy, in a whirlwind. <clears throat> His plan for us was to walk around in peace and joy. You know, this world, you, you, you know, you go through this week at all. I mean, tomorrow, all I have to do is say the word Monday. It's like, oh, yeah. Staff meeting, yeah. Stay, say staff meeting. The tension starts building immediately. Not tomorrow. Take tomorrow off. All right. Because I'm not going to be here anyway. Debbie, Debbie and I are going to our cabin 33 years of marriage tomorrow. So, hallelujah. Yep. And they say miracles never happen. So there you go. But this world wants to bring pressure and stress and tension into our lives. But that wasn't God's plan. Verse 7 of Philippians 4 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. The Bible talks a lot about the peace of God. We're going to look at a few verses. We're going to talk about them. And I believe that today God wants us to enter into a deeper level of peace. Each and every one of us. Because, you know, in our lives, we are married. You know, many of us are married, and that brings tension, pressure to your marriages. And that we, that we have children, they bring pressure and tension. They go to school, and they come home, and it causes pr pressure and tension. We have work. We have bosses, which bring pressure and tension. We have employees who bring pressure. And we have governments, which bring... We have news agencies. We have stuff. You know... 2,000 years ago when, when Paul was writing this, we didn't have 24-hour news networks. We didn't have worldwide news. We didn't have all the extra stuff. I mean, just think about the regular pressures of life that they ex experienced and then multiply that. How do you know if you're well? How do you know? As the, song, the songwriter wrote, the, the, the hymn writer wrote, all is well with my soul. I mean, you know, when he wrote that, and we've talked about this here before, you've probably read it on the, the internets, that when he wrote that song, he had just lost his family. There was a storm at sea. He was crossing the sea, and there was a storm. And he wrote, he penned that poem in the midst of complete turmoil. It is well with my soul. God wants our souls to be well. He wants our hearts to be at peace. He wants us to live in a situation, in, a, in, a, in a, an existence where the outside pressures of this world just bounce off. I'll ask the question one more time. How do you know if you're well? Let's continue to read on. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Peace. I want to propose to you that the answer to that question is, how, of how do you know if you're well? Is that you're at peace. You're at peace. Now what does that mean? That's, you know, okay, that's an ambiguous thing. Are you at peace? How do you know if you're at peace? Well, if you're waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning and your nerves are all jumpy, you're not at peace. If the moment you come against any kind of stress, somebody walks into your cubicle or walks into the, your work area at work and they, they, they smart off to you and you lose it on them, you're not at peace. If, if the phone rings, how many of you ever had the phone ring and immediately you're just everything bristles? Especially when you look at the name. You're like, oh, delete, 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 delete. You're not at peace. And, I, and it's not a, really, wow, really, it's not a shame on you because Okay, just raise your hand. This last week, if you had opportunity to not be in peace, raise your hand. Yes, exactly. We have that opportunity all the time because we live in a stressful world. We live in a world that's trying to take away your peace. Why? And we're going to see that here in just a second. Jesus even said that the world is always trying to take your peace. But we need to walk in peace. How do we do that? We think on those things from above. We think on those things that are pure and honorable. We think on those things that are that are just. We think on we don't think on the things that bring you a lack of peace, that bring you stress. If it brings you stress, stop thinking about it. You can't change it anyway. You can't fix it. But you know the one who does. And that's why he starts out, he says, and with all reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is there, and do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be, no, be made known to God. You know, it sounds almost trite. It almost sounds cliche. Well, just pray about it. You know, it's like, you know, hey, I'm really going through a tough time. I'm really struggling. Things are really tough. Well, just pray about it. You know, that sounds that's wimpy. But it's actually the answer. But it's not a, a wimpy prayer. It's like, here's the deal, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't solve this one. I can't fix this. I can't make it right. I can't, I can't turn this around. Lord, you know I have the situation. You know this person much better than I do. You know this situation much better than I do. You know what's going on around me right now. You know what's happening in our government. You know what's happening in our world. You know what's happening with this stupid thing they keep talking about every freaking day of the year, which will go unnamed because I'm not giving any name to that. I'm not letting that... You see, hearing my voice. Sorry, sorry. I'm going to pull it back here in a second. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. 
can't fix it. You can't fix it. But we know the one who can. And it is not a wimpy thing. It's not a cliche to go, God, I can't fix this. I can't solve this problem. I can't make this right. But Lord, I know you can. Because you have that name that's above every name. You have that name. You are the King. You are Lord. And by acknowledging that, then you've let go of it, and He has the right to deal with it. As long as you keep a hold of it, as long as you keep trying to solve it, it's out of His hands. The moment you give it to Him and say, okay, Lord, I can't, I can't fix this in my kids. I can't fix this in my marriage. I can't fix this at work. I don't have, a, I don't have the answer to this situation. I definitely can't fix the world situation. But Lord, you can. He didn't put any limitations on what you could pray for. He didn't put any limitations on what we could believe Him for. He just said, with prayer and supplication, make your request known, and the peace, the God of peace, will fill you. Turn over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 25. Jesus is speaking to His disciples at the Last Supper. You know, you know, that He's about to walk into the most stressful thing that's ever happened to anyone ever in the history of the universe. Because we have no idea how bad it was. We really don't. You know, if you've seen, if you've seen the, uh, the, the uh, Passion of the Christ, that still isn't as bad as it was. And we're not, I'm not actually not even talking about the beatings or the, the torture or the things. I mean, when, when it said, the Bible says that when sin was placed upon him, the sin of the world was placed upon him. Jesus, who had never sinned on earth, he, had, he lived a sinless life. It says that the sin was placed, you know, when he, when he said, you know, let this cup pass from me, he wasn't talking about the, the beatings. He wasn't talking about the torture. He was, ta- he, he was talking about the sin placed upon him, and when that sin was placed upon him, he was separated from God. It says that God looked away. And he, how do we know that? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We have no idea what that means, what that feels like, to that magnitude. But in the middle of it, he's talking to his disciples. He knew where he was going. He knew what was about to happen. And he spoke these, verse, these words. John chapter 14, beginning with 25. says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He was walking into an absolutely horrible situation. He knew it. He knew it from Scripture. He knew who he was. He knew what he was supposed to do. He knew what was going to happen to him. He knew it. There was not, it wasn't like, oh gee, yeah, I guess I don't know what's going to happen in the next 24 hours. 
No, he knew exactly. And he's standing there hours before it began and saying, hey guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to give you peace. Here's, this is real peace. He, he was exhibiting real peace. My peace I give you. You know, in the garden, he sweat, sweated blood. He had opportunity where he felt the pressure. He felt the anxiety. He felt the pain. But then, when he left the garden, it says, the Bible says, the Isaiah says, it was like he was a lamb being led to the slaughter. He just moved towards it. Why? Because he had peace. He knew what the truth was. He knew that not only was he going to suffer on that cross, not only was all sin going to be placed on him, not only were people going to reject him and leave him, not only was the whole weight of the world going to be put on him, but that he was going to die. And that he was going to be separated from God. But he also knew the ultimate truth that after three days he would rise again. In our daily reading, Matthew 12, you're going to read that tomorrow. I'm ahead, just so you know. I read ahead. Why? Because tomorrow's my anniversary. I've I got I to clear my schedule here. But Jesus says in, in chapter 12, He says He knows where He's going. He knows who He is. There is no ambiguity. And He is moving forward to Jerusalem, fully knowing what's behind, what, what, what lies ahead of Him. Because He has peace. He understood. So we can, no matter what we go through, no matter what tomorrow brings, you literally can have peace. Now, at the moment, you may not have peace. I get that. Totally get that. That's, that's the condition of man. That's the condition of woman. That's the condition of kids. That's the condition of life. That's, that's everybody. We have an opportunity. And tomorrow, we're going to be tested. I know tomorrow, after preaching this sermon, I'm going to be tested on my peace. How do I know that? Because I'm going to be loading the truck for vacation. There may not be another more stressful thing in the whole entire universe than trying to load a vehicle for vacation. Did you remember this? Yes, I remember that. <laughs> why do you always... How do I... Why is that? I think it's hereditary. My dad always blew up right before going on vacation, his dad before him, you know. Everybody's looking at each other. <laughs> yeah. We know somebody who does that. Not as the world gives. The world wants to tell you peace, tranquility, everything's fine. But they can't make it right. They can't make it right. You know, the 60s, peace, man. You smoke enough that stuff, man, you'll feel peace. No, you'll be, you'll be incoherent. <laughs> Different. He says, not as the world gives, okay? That's, what he, that's not as the world gives. Real peace. Real peace that when you walk into your day and tomorrow the boss comes in and rah, you just look at him and go, I'll fix that. I'll take care of it for you. 
And they look at you, what, what is wrong with you? Why didn't you react? Why didn't you push back? The things that, that used to just drive you nuts. All of a sudden they don't. Why? Because you've given them to Him. You've really given it to Him. Not just a little bit, just enough to say you did it, but you really didn't because you're holding on to a couple of strings just because you've got to have a little control. Stop trying to have control. You can't fix it! Look at somebody and go, you can't fix it. You can't fix it. Say it again, because they didn't get it the first time. I can feel they didn't get it the first time. You can't fix it. Now say to them, but I know who can. Jesus said, I give you peace. Real peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Fills you with it. Fills you to overflowing. And we need that. They've always, we've always needed it. You know, that's why it's in here. We've always needed peace. But we really need it now. And it keeps going back to whatever you think on. You know, I, I'm still, I'm still I, I got this little thing about me. I still am a news junkie. I got to know. I got to know what happened in the last 24 hours. Or the last two hours. And I'll start, I'll go to the news site, even one I like, you know, the one I like, and I start to read it, and I get about two headlines in and go, shut it off. <laughs> oh, you can just feel it rising up in you. Why do I do that? Glutton for punishment. I don't know. But I don't want to know. I want to be informed. I don't want to be, you know, we're not, we're not ignorant. But we can control it, how you think about it. We need to be able to, we need to be able to put it into his hands. When you're, when you're dealing with schools, I mean, tests, man, I just have to say pop quiz. And you can just see them all tense up. They just all, ooh, pop quiz. You know, what about that pop quiz? You know, when I, when uh, Deb and I graduated from college, uh, my degree is in education, uh, teaching. And you go through four years, or for me, ten years of college, and you, you get to the end. You get to the end, and to be an educator, you actually have to take another test that determines whether you can teach. You know, and every state has a threshold of what you can. You know, they, you know, in Minnesota, it's actually higher than Wisconsin. You know, there's a number that you have to reach, you know, percentage-wise. And if you don't reach that number, they don't give you the license. It's kind of a big deal. It's a little stressful. It's, and it's like an all-day Saturday kind of thing. And you go in, and they, they give you this pamphlet, and they go, start. And it's like a five- or six-hour test. And I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good test taker. But going in, I was... I was, bleh. I was nervous. You know, and if you know, when you take a test and you're nervous, you don't do as well. Because you're all tensed up. And then you, the first question they ask you, and it's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. And then your brain starts to seize up. And the second question, even though you know it, you can't answer it. I don't know. So I'm getting ready to go to this test. And I'm, okay, this is a big deal. It's the one, you know, it's the, it's the thing that's, it's all writing on this. And I'm nervous. And I'm, I'm driving to the test. And I'm praying all the way. 
Lord, help, help me, help me. Lord, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, because it's not even a basic knowledge test. It's more like the, you know, theory. Actually, one of the questions you would not believe, you're not going to believe this. It was a, it was a, a logic question. If all quibbles are tribbles and all tribbles are fibbles, are all quibbles fibbles? The answer is yes. That's, it's just very simple. It is. Because I know that. I'll never forget the question and the answer. Yes. But that's the kind of questions there is. Like, what are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? I got it right, though, just so you know. I got it right. But I'm driving, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't know what to expect, and I'm, I'm just churning inside. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, I said, I, 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 quit. I give up. I'm just going to go take this test. You, you give me wisdom. You help me with this test. I... I I put it in your hands because I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's coming. I don't know how to handle it. Whatever. And so I turned on the radio. And at that point in my life, and in that phase of, of my life, I was listening to a lot of jazz. I love jazz. I love, yeah, jazz. That's right. Ooh, yeah. I, now I listen to other stuff. But jazz, at that point, I was listening to a lot of jazz and I had a jazz station on. And it was like a document, you know, like a radio thing where they talk about the history of uh, different kinds of jazz. Or, well, this one was about a, a specific person. I don't remember his name. I would, I'd make it up. Let's just say Johnson, you know, probably pretty close. I could get, you know, it probably is Johnson. But they said, uh, this, this, uh, David Johnson played this kind of jazz to, uh, you know, commemorate, blah, 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 blah. And they were going this whole history of this jazz. Uh, performer who had d- developed this kind of jazz music. And it was all the way I'm driving, about 30 minutes, I'm listening to them talk about this guy, John, David Johnson, playing this jazz. And I'm just like, okay, I'm just relaxing. And I, I get to the, the class, and there's 150 people in the room. They, they put the packet in front of us. And they, before, they, before they say go, because it's all timed, I have my pencil, the packet is sealed. And they said, all right, Ready? And before they said ready, I went, Lord, it's in your hands. Slipped the, the pencil into the piece of paper, ripped it open, flipped over the top cover. The first question was, David Johnson, the jazz performer from such and such, wrote this kind of music and he did this and this and this. I started laughing. I was like, okay, that, God, you're hilarious. And I was filled with peace. Just because I knew it was in his hands. And I took the test, took, you know, I don't remember how long it took, I don't, blah, blah, blah. All I remember is I got a higher score than Debbie. That's all I knew. <laughs> Other than that, it doesn't matter. And we both, we both had enough points to teach in, in any state we, any state we wanted to. But the, the plan, the, the point here is, God has it. Yeah, that's my answer. It's the real point here, isn't it? Yeah, that's the real point. <clears throat> the real point is, God's got this, doesn't He? You can trust Him. You can trust Him to put it into His hands, and He'll take care of it. So what is peace? What is peace? Well, that's very easy. Peace is, in the Jewish language, in the Hebrew language, peace is shalom. We all know that. That's the one that everybody's got it on their refrigerator. Everybody, you know. Shalom. Shalom. Everybody say shalom. 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 
Shalom is a Hebrew word which means nothing broken, nothing missing. Nothing broken, nothing missing. They use it as a prayer over people. But it's also a greeting, isn't it? So when you walk up to somebody and you say, you know, instead of saying, hey, how you doing? In Hebrew, you would say, shalom. I, I pray that nothing is missing in your life, nothing is broken. They speak peace over each other every time they greet. And as they leave, they would say, shalom. It's, not, it's neither hello or goodbye. It's may nothing be broken in your life. May, may nothing be missing. Because if you have nothing broken in your life and nothing is missing, you've got no worries, right? You have no worries. And so when Jesus says, I give you shalom, he said, the God of all the universe said, I give you shalom. Not the kind of peace that they give. I'm telling you, I'm giving you nothing broken, nothing missing. Now, now we go back to Philippians where it says, now think on those things. Think on those things. Because here's where we have, that, we have the opportunity for that battle in the mind. Jesus said that you have nothing. I'm, gonna, I'm, just, I'm declaring this over you right now. Jesus said, I'm giving you shalom. He, the God of all the universe, said that he is giving you and you, and you, and you, he's giving you, he's giving you, he's giving you, he's giving you shalom. He's giving us. What he did on the cross gave us, gave us the right to have his shalom, his reality, his truth, his existence, where nothing is myth- missing and nothing is broken. When he went to the cross, he went to the cross in shalom. Nothing was missing. He had lived his life fully. He had done everything God had told him to do. He had existed completely within the, the will and the plan of God. And he knew that his father could raise him from the dead. You have that kind of belief, you kind of, that kind of hope, nothing can harm you. You know, somebody says, I'm going to kill you. Okay. We see that in Paul, don't we? We see that in Paul. I'm going to, you know, they said, we're going to kill you. He says, Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is all right. Long as I'm here, you know, I, I know you need me here, he said. He says, I know you need me here, but if I'm not here, I'm there. Okay. Peace. That's peace. Where death doesn't bother you. Loss. You know, I'm going to come in, we're going to take all of your property. <gasps> no. In, in my existence, in, in the Word of God, He promises that He shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. Not the world's. The world, the world stuff is temporary. This stuff is temporary. We're going, to take, we're going to take all your money. We're going to take your home. We're going to take everything away from you. <laughs> Watch what God does next. You know, knowing that, knowing that He has given you nothing broken, nothing missing, you start, it starts putting life into the right perspective. Whoever wins in November, doesn't matter who wins in November, God still gives you shalom. I know, I know. 
Do you know it's not more shalom if your candidate wins? <laughs> you know, he, does, he doesn't go, well, I guess you get the, yeah, I'm going to give you, I'm going to need to give you more shalom. No, it's just shalom. It's just a blanket, nothing missing, nothing broken. But you need to believe it. Here we go. Here's that personal responsibility thing again. He can say everything. He said everything he needs to say. He can say it. He can mean it. He can provide for it. He sent Jesus and and made it possible for everybody. But you still have to believe it. And you still have to appropriate it. Why am I still waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning with all my nerves? Because apparently I'm hanging on to something that I don't want to give to him. It's not his fault. He's given me peace. And I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about, well, how come, how come you don't have peace? I just, oh, you should have peace. No, pff, we're all human beings. We all struggle with this stuff. We all have opportunity, and we're the only ones that can deal with it in our own world. But how we deal with it is this. Father, I, I receive what you gave me. I don't understand it. I, I can't, I want to fix this. I want it to be different. But I, you said you gave me peace. I receive that peace right now in Jesus' name. Well, that sounds too simple. That sounds too easy. Turn over just a couple of chapters. Go to the right in your Bible. John chapter 16. Same conversation, just later in it. Getting closer to that moment. John chapter 16 beginning with verse 25, Jesus is still speaking because He's been explaining all the way from 14 to 16 is a recording of His last hours spent with the disciples. 17 is in the garden. It's a prayer. And then we start seeing the crucifixion after that. But 14 through 16 is Him just sitting and talking to His disciples. And at the end of that conversation, John 16.25 says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. Wow. Wow. You don't, we don't have to pray, Jesus, please convince your dad to help me. Jesus, please, please talk your father into letting me survive or letting me thrive or letting, protecting my family. No, we're, there's no begging. It just says, ask the father. He is the source. You know, in the Hebrew, I mean, you can, you can ask Beth, okay? You can double check my Hebrew, okay? The word that they use for Father is source. He's the source of our life. That's why, that's why it was written. In Him we live and breathe and have our very being. Because He's the source. He's the source of our first breath. He's the source of our nourishment. He's the source of everything around us that supplies our needs. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to go through anybody else anymore. You can go directly to Him. We don't have to go to level two. 
We don't have to ask on the phone, could I please speak to a manager? No, when we, when we call heaven, we get the manager every time. And he speaks your language. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you get the manager. When, when you pray, you don't have to pray. In, he says, you pray in my name, which means, hey, because of what Jesus did on the cross, I can come boldly into the throne room today. And here's what I need. You already know what I need, but it's powerful to say it and to say it out loud. For the Father Himself loves you, verse 27, because you have loved Me and have believed that I am from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you are from God. Jesus answered, answered them, Do you now believe? Do you now believe? That is really the question every time you're in a situation because He's already provided everything you need. The question to us is this, Do you now believe? Do you now that believe that God is the name above all names? That Jesus is the name above all names? Because if He is, since He is, anything you ask in that name, the answer is yes and amen. As long as it's lined up with His Word, right? In His name. As long as it's good and true and, and Philippians 4. Worthy. Trustworthy. All those things. Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming indeed. It has come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, we're going to have stuff. And stuff stinks. But in this world, you can also have peace. Why? Because He's overcome the world. Because of what He did in Him. In Him. Outside of Him? No. There's no answer. Outside of Him in your own strength? Definitely no answer. But in Him, there is peace. But it comes down to that question, do you now believe? Because you have to believe it, then you have to appropriate it. How do you, so you believe it, you believe, okay, he said it, I believe I have peace, but now you have to do something about it. You have to appropriate it. How do you appropriate it? Work it up! No. Confess and confess. Peace, 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 peace. No, that's not peace. How do we appropriate it? Father, I'm putting it all in your hands. And I'm going to believe you You got this under control. I have no idea how this is going to work out, but it's yours. And now I'm going to think on good thoughts. I'm going to think about all the ways that you have provided for me. I'm going to re remember and I'm going to recite all the ways you did take care of me, all the ways you did provide for me, all the miracles that have happened in my life. I'm going to talk them out loud because that's good and holy and pure. And We don't recite the problem. Don't recite the problem. Stop reciting the problem. 
Look at somebody because you got to tell them, stop reciting the problem and speak life. 